This week on the Unbound Cinefem podcast, I bring a very special guest to talk and tear the Halloween franchise. Without this person, would I really be a horror fan? Sadly, this episode does mark the last episode of the season, but after the new year, I'll be back with fresh guests and films for y'all. One last thing I'd like to note, you might hear my opinion on the new Halloween Ends movie. This is me officially redacting that. After some time, I realized I was being a hater. So to listen to my true opinion, visit my Instagram. Now sit back, munch on your popcorn, and enjoy. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a great day, week, weekend, month, whenever you are listening to this. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Avery, your wonderful book-loving and movie-loving host of the Unbound Cinefam podcast, the podcast for bibliophiles and cinephiles alike. Now, I am coming to you with the most anticipated episode of this month, at least to me, because you all didn't know about it (laughs) until about a week before, but... It's exciting because it's the last weekend of October leading up to Halloween, and this episode's all about the Halloween franchise. It's a a franchise that I hold very dear to my heart, to my soul, and the guest that I've asked to join me on this episode is part of the reason why I hold it so dear to my heart. So, Whitney, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself to the people? Uh, yeah, sure. Hey, um, I'm Whitney, and Avery is my niece, so I've <laughs> known her all my life, and I am responsible for corrupting her with the whole Halloween love. So, part of getting to know who you are, besides your love, our shared love for Halloween, um, what are you currently reading, and what are you currently watching? Um, well, uh, aside from binging the whole Halloween franchise over the last week, um, I started watching the new season of The Sinner, uh, last night. I began watching it. It's actually pretty good. I don't know if you ever got into it, but it's, um, it's really good. This season's starting out better than I had anticipated, anyway. Reading, I'm currently reading... Social work, policy, and planning, and human behavior in the social environment. That is what I'm reading. <laughs> that is all I'm reading. Okay, so a little bit of coursework, I see. <laughs> um, remind me, what streaming platform is The Center on? Uh, Netflix. Okay. Yeah, it sounds familiar. I just, I can't place it right now as to who's in it or what the story is about. But I will definitely have to check it out. Because I know Netflix has been coming out with a lot of good stuff, at least this month. So I have a lot of stuff on the watch list. It's actually a network show. I can't remember. I want to say maybe like FX or something like that. And it's it's kind of like an American Horror Story vibe. Um, Mm -hmm. You get a different story with each season. And they're, they're crime stories. So like murders cults um sociopaths like it's each season is different but they have different characters jessica bills in the first season and i want to say that she actually mm-hmm. directed it i i almost feel like i know what you're talking about 
but I'm not going to take any guesses just in case I don't. <laughs> you should check it out. Yeah, I definitely will. For me, I have been watching Sharp Objects, which I talked a little bit about in last week's. Oh, I love that show. Yes. Well, I read the book. I read the book first, and then I found out that it was a show. I didn't know it was a show before that, but um, I had rented it from the library just off of a whim, and I read through it, and I wanted to watch the series and then do an episode on, like, comparing the two. And I'm already, like, I see some differences in the show versus the book, but I really do like the way that they adapted the book into the show, and I think Amy Adams does a really good job as well. Yes. Yeah. I really like her anyway. Yeah. Did you know they're coming out with a new uh, Enchanted? It's called Disenchanted? No. I've never seen the first one. I'm pretty sure it's called Disenchanted, but I remember loving that movie. I think um, Nana got it for me when, I think we saw it in theaters or something, and then she bought me the DVD. I remember you liking that movie. (laughs) Yes. And so I'm so happy they're coming out. And they're having all the original cast. So they have, um, oh my gosh, I don't, I can't think of what his name is, but McDreamy from uh, Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. No, I can't think of his name either. He's in there. There's another guy who I used to absolutely love when I was little, but like they all look the same. Yeah, they are appropriately aged, but they don't look older than they are. They look absolutely perfect, and I love it. So yeah, I'm currently watching Sharp Objects. Um, I've been binging the Halloween series or franchise, as well as watching Halloween Ends, which I know you watched that as well. So we were talking about it a little bit. What would be your rating of it? um, I would probably give it a solid seven on twitter because i saw a tweet and it was like rate hashtag halloween ends you know if you've seen it and i said six out of ten but on letterboxd which is an app that i use to rate movies i rated it a two a two and a half stars out of five which is the lowest that i've rated any halloween movie on that platform as i was re-watching all of the halloweens i would like over resurrection yes no, no. Resurrection, I haven't rated Resurrection on Letterboxd. Oh, okay. Which, Resurrection would probably get a one star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I despise that movie with, with all of my heart. But yeah, no. I rated it a two and a half out of star, two and a half stars out of five. And yeah, I think that's all that needs to be said. If you haven't seen it yet, you can find it on Peacock or you can go to the movie theaters and watch it for yourself. But just don't go in expecting what you got from Halloween Kills. That's all I'm going to say. I had very low expectations for this movie because of Halloween you didn't Kills. Like Halloween. Yeah. I did not like Halloween Kills at all. Like Resurrection and then Halloween Kills are my two least favorite. Uh, that is so crazy. I, as soon as I got out of the movie theater, I told my friend that. I I wanted out of Halloween Ends what I got from Halloween Kills. And I think the reason why I liked Halloween Kills so much is because how much they harped on the nostalgia of the entire franchise. And they used stuff from every, well, I mean, not every single movie, but Halloween 1, 2, and 3. Which Halloween 3 
is something that honestly, if you ask anyone about it, they might say they hated it, they didn't like it, whatever, which fair to them. But I love Halloween 3. And so seeing just those tiny little things in Halloween Kills, just like it, it really felt like they were paying homage to the fans, really. I loved, like you said, the nostalgia of it. Like I loved how they brought in I, the way that Halloween Kills started. I was I was very excited about finishing the movie. But then it got to a point where it was just silly for me. Um, I like how they brought in Tommy mm-hmm. Doyle and Lindsay and the nurse. And, like, they brought, they brought in everybody. Like, they included all the characters. And I loved that. But then it turned into a witch hunt Mm -hmm. like the entire town and I hated that because it took so much away from the Michael and Lori story which to me that is Halloween like Michael versus Lori that is Halloween to me Mm -hmm. yeah I after watching all of the movies though I will say because the whole witch hunt thing I felt was cheesy I felt like it was almost kind of trying to make some sort of point or commentary on our current society because that's what a lot of horror movies do fair to them but after watching halloween one through six in halloween five that happened Mm -hmm. yeah and so i I feel like that's probably why why they did it that way was i mean they're paying homage to all these other halloween movies within the franchise so that's probably their way of paying homage to halloween five even though Halloween 5 was absolute garbage, <laughs> but, but, you know, they had to do what they could, and that's what they did, so, but I definitely see what, what you mean when, when you're talking about, like, that, that whole witch hunt part, but, oh my gosh, the beginning of Halloween Kills was insane, I, I watched it with my friend Kadesh, and we, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for him, but from what I gathered, he's never really been that, like, big into the Halloween franchise, I think when we watched it, he mainly watched it because I wanted to watch it. But after watching that, like seeing his reactions to just like the way that Michael was killing people, which sounds so like morbid. It's morbid. But like (laughs) the opening of that movie was absolutely insane. I remember getting chills watching that movie. And it like it felt like a Michael Myers movie. Kind of how I feel when I watch like the Rob Zombie ones, which a lot of people don't like the Rob Zombie ones, but I love the Rob Zombie one. At, at least the first one. I, I do like the first Rob Zombie film, but I don't necessarily associate it as much with the Halloween franchise as I do a Rob Zombie film, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like that is a mm-hmm. typical Rob Zombie film and he just retold you know, the Halloween story, the Michael Myers story from his perspective. And it was, it was well done. It was, it was very well done, but um, yeah. I don't like, I, I like it. I like it as its own separate entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people were saying on Twitter how the director and writer of Halloween ends, I think his name is David Gordon Green or David Green Gordon. Pretty sure it's Gordon Green though. They were saying how he did what Rob Zombie did in 2007 or 8. But, and like everyone ripped Rob Zombie apart for doing that. 
But this new director, David Gordon Green, pretty much just repackaged it. Because when you look at it, it's all about bullying. And then that the person who was bullied getting all this sudden like power and revenge and everything like that. So I can see their point in that. And I can see why people don't like the Rob Zombie ones. But that was one of the movies that we saw together. And I just remember it being so much more like gritty and grimy and i mean that's that's a rob zombie movie yeah so it definitely added a different kind of um tone to the halloween franchise but we're going to talk so much more about halloween (laughs) and i have a few more questions to ask you so that so that the audience can get to know you what genre could you not live without book movie or both Oh, uh, 100% anything that has to do with um, crime or um, like the human psyche. So whether it's a documentary, whether it's a fictional series or a movie, whatever it is, like I'm just, I am into mm-hmm. into it. It's actually interesting with you, but like psychological thriller, psychological horror, would that also count? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm reading a book right now, actually. It's called None Shall Sleep. And it reminds me a lot of Silence of the Lambs, how they use Hannibal Lecter to solve current crimes because of, like, you know, his knowledge and stuff. And that's kind of what happens in this book. And I mean, it feels almost like a direct inspiration from that movie. But it's also just interesting to read. Um, especially like after seeing Halloween ends, we were, me and my friend were talking about it. And the current book talks about how when people, when serial killers act on their impulses, it's because they're seeking power where they once felt powerless. And, you know, so like Halloween ends, that's a perfect explanation for, for stuff that happens in that movie. I'm not going to say what happens, who it happens to, because that'd be a spoiler. (laughs) But, but yeah, it's, I love those moments where you can connect like stuff from other parts of your life to something else. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. So then my next question, cause I watched a lot of horror with you. I've talked about you on the podcast before, just in terms of you know, watching, watching uh, horror movies with you and Nana. And like, that's kind of where my love for horror movies started. So how did you first get into horror movies? And what about the Halloween franchise did you love most? Well, Nana is also the one who introduced me to horror movies. So we're just passing it on down generations. How we used to, me and her used to watch horror movies and eat junk food all the time. Because, you know, Poppy would go out on business trips and it would just be me and her. And like we would just watch anything and everything of course some of the stuff she's into like that science fiction stuff is kind of weird but what I loved most about the Halloween franchise that's a very good question I think I like how scary Michael Myers is like he's he's a real person like he's not like Freddy Krueger like he's in your dreams like he was a real person at one time but You know, he's in your dreams. Chucky is a doll. You know, Michael Myers is a real person. And if you're going with the original timeline, he is 
you know, stalking his family. So I don't know. And he's very mysterious or something mm-hmm. very mysterious about him. You don't see his face, which I mean, you can compare a lot of these things to, to Jason Voorhees too, which I never got that. Yeah. I never got as, as big into the Friday 13th movies as I did Halloween, but. And also, you know, Halloween is very nostalgic for me as well as it is for you. I watch, I watch at least one Halloween movie every year. I was watching, I think it was History of Horror. Um, it's on Shudder, which I think I might have told you about. But Shudder is just all horror content. So it's horror movies. And when I say horror movies, like, It's old horror movies, new horror movies, those like cheesy, cheesy slasher movies that just almost sound crazy to hear. A lot of documentaries. And so one of the series on there, which is like kind of a documentary series, is called History of Horror. And it's by Eli Roth, who's been a horror director. And so one of the first episodes is on slashers. And they were talking about how Jason Voorhees is derivative of Michael Myers because, you know, you do have um, Chucky, which came after both of those because it's kind of like Uh this idea of real people and then all of a sudden they're like supernatural somehow. They don't die. And so they were looking for something else that could, could be scary, but at the same time be a little bit more of that like far-fetched I guess so that's how they came up with Chucky Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers were both scary I will say though after watching all of the Halloweens I became less scared of Michael Myers because all <laughs> of their all of the mask changes I cannot take him serious yeah. with his little gerbil mask that he had <laughs> In Halloween, three, in ha- not three, but four and five. Five? Yeah, four and five. I knew at least five. I know it was so silly. And I think even Resurrection, mm-hmm. I want to say his mask was. And it's the hair. Like, a lot of the times it's the hair. Yeah. For me, anyway. And the, <laughs> the, the origin of the mask is really just a painted over mask of um, William Shatner. 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 Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I mean, first of all, that's something that you wouldn't really find scary, but then it very well is. But then when you keep changing it, and then the hair looks like a Brillo pad, it just, you lose it. You lose it a lot. Another reason why I stopped being scared of Michael Myers, because watching it with my sister, the way that he would, like, walk or stand, yes, <laughs> she would laugh at. Oh, my gosh. Because it is funny. Would. That's one of the things that would like she, scare yeah. me as a kid is the way that he would just stand there and he he walked everywhere like he did and that's mm. something else that bothered me about kills is there were a couple times where he was um like he lunged at an officer it was one of the flashback scenes um like mm-hmm. you know one of those scenes that wasn't in the original movie but it was taking place on that night and like he lunged at an officer um like come out of nowhere um and he just seemed like his movements were just like a lot more fast paced than what they typically are and i'm i may be being a little yeah. too critical but i mean i don't know i feel like i feel like that movie took away a lot of 
you know, what Michael Myers is, like, you know, his personification. Yeah, well, and I feel like there's been a few movies as well where Michael Myers wasn't as, there's a certain word for it, but, like, I guess lumber, if if that, you know, if I can use that word. Um, I think that, like, when you look at Ghostface, Ghostface is very clumsy because they're just kids. Like, you know, he falls down all the time. He he's just very, very all over the place. Because and the reason why he's like that is because you had Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, who weren't clumsy. They, you know, got where they needed to be by walking somehow, some way. And they, you know, never really got hurt. Somebody would push them down. They wouldn't budge. And so then, you know, you do have a faster walking Michael Myers. And maybe I never really noticed that. Maybe that's why I was appealed to Halloween Kills. Because, like, in the in the very first scene of that movie, when, you know, he's in, like, the fire and he comes out and like, with the pickaxe, like, and he was moving, he was moving very fast. It was an amazing scene. Yeah. It was an yeah, amazing I scene. I didn't really... I didn't really think about it like that in terms of like, oh, he's moving faster than he normally does. Um, but yeah, like his the stiffness of his walk was always very, very creepy. And I think when I was younger, I, I didn't really pinpoint that they were brother and sister so much as just this random man who decides to dress up and stalk people. I think that's why I was scared more than anything. Um, but that being said... What Halloween installment is your favorite? Um, so you, so just like a single movie or yeah. like a timeline? A single movie. Um, the original, 100%. I'm an original kind of girl. Um, that's what got me hooked on the whole franchise. I mean, that's, I mean, the original one is why Halloween mm-hmm. is what it is today. I would love to be that kind of person, unfortunately. I am not. <laughs> I am not that kind of person. And it's actually the opposite. My favorite Halloween installment is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. How? It's not even. Okay. Hold on a second. I know. I know. That movie's not even about Michael Myers. I know. I know. And that's so crazy. Thing. Okay. So if we exclude Halloween 3, which one would be your favorite? Halloween six. Okay. That's that's fair. I get that. That that movie is very nostalgic for me because I watched it a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. I can understand why a lot of people hate it though. Yeah. I definitely can understand why a lot of people hate yeah. it. Yeah. But Halloween three for me, I remember watching it, definitely not recognizing that it was a Halloween movie. But because I like X Files, that's it it feels very X Files y to me. Because when I was reading up on, you know, the origin of of Michael Myers and just why there's so many different timelines and everything like that was because John Carpenter wanted, like, his original plan for the franchise was, you know, to have Halloween in 1978, but then the next movie be something completely different from Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, but still be placed on Halloween. So Halloween 3 is kind of taking that idea um but that's after halloween 2 where people are already so settled into this idea of laurie strode and michael myers and they want to see more of michael myers 
it it honestly is one of the scarier Halloweens to me um, in the whole franchise because of the visuals and I don't know. I don't know. There's something about it. Those masks, <laughs> those masks, they get me. Um, and I do, I really do love the visuals when, when it's Halloween and all the, all the kids are walking around like during sunset in their masks and it's just their silhouettes. I absolutely love those frames in that movie. So yeah, there's many reasons why I love that movie. But of course, like you said, Halloween 6 is very nostalgic to me as well. I mean, for the longest time, I I thought that was the first Halloween. Oh goodness! <laughs> but I like I remember just like staring at the DVD case. I think because you like had it in your car, just like in the floor of your car, and <laughs> I I would just like when we were when we would be driving, like I would just be looking at the case, and so I would just like look at it, and of course we would watch it all the time. So yeah, that'd be my my favorite if if Halloween three was not included. Her owned like the whole set. Um, I had a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. I did have a bunch of them, but I never had the whole set. But yeah, that was one of my favorites Mm -hmm. to watch. And I, I totally get, like I mentioned earlier, like I totally get why people are turned off by the, the cult plot. <laughs> and that movie. Well, I if you got upset about the Halloween three, you're gonna be so upset with me when I get to my top two movies. <laughs> <laughs> that that being said, we will go ahead and get into that discussion, um, so we can talk more about Halloween. And the first thing is that we have to lay out the true story of Michael Myers itself, um, because there is a lot of misconceptions, like I was saying before. The original 1978 Halloween was only supposed to be Michael Myers and Laurie Strode not being related. Michael Myers just finding her fresh out of his sanatorium and stalking her and killing her. That was that was what it was supposed to be. Because that movie performed so well, the production studio wanted to kind of gain more money off of it. And that's why Halloween 2 happened. But... The original story of Michael Myers, um, and you know, just considering all of the the movies, especially the ones with Jamie Lee Curtis, he was born in 1957. Michael Myers began his murderous tendencies from an early age, killing for the first time when he was nearly six years old. In 1963, on October 31st, a young Michael, while dressed as a clown for his typical trick and treating routine, walked into his sister's room with a kitchen knife. The young, the, this uh, little story thing that I copied from the internet says scamp, calls him a scamp. The young scamp then proceeded to stab his teen sister to death. After that night, he was sent to a sanatorium where Dr. Loomis studied and treated him. Loomis comes to the conclusion that he has no human qualities left. As a 21-year-old, Michael breaks out of the facility and stops at nothing to track his sister down. Dr. Loomis in one, two, four, and five, and six refer to Michael as evil. Um, In Mm -hmm. one and two, actually, I mean, he refers to him as Michael, but he also refers to Michael as this overarching idea of evil. Whenever Michael first drives off in the, like, nurse's car in the very first movie, Dr. Loomis is like, 
the evil is gone, the evil is gone. And there's multiple times where he refers to Michael as evil in that sense, as it's like a, um, some sort of name. And so in the original timeline, the answer is a bit more clear, especially with Halloween 6, where the thorn curse is introduced and explained. And we find that Michael's family history resulted in him being cursed and having an innate desire to kill his family off. And that is introduced in, I want to say Halloween 4 or 5, because him and Jamie are like metaphysically connected. And it's because of, you know, you see, um, you see, I think the symbol on his hand and they talk about it a little bit, but not too much. And then in Halloween 6, you get more of a detailed visual and reenactment kind of, of, of Thorn and this cult. Over the years, the franchise has gone through various timeline shifts. And so the original 1978, as I was saying, it wasn't made apparent that Lori and Michael were siblings. That idea was only introduced in part two, which technically was never supposed to happen. However, John Carpenter wrote Halloween 2, so we can't say that all this time now they're not siblings. I feel like that's just you just can't do that. Part of the terror for that movie, though, is because it was a random act of violence, and it's kind of how I was talking about with the black phone, because you're never told why the grabber is yes. grabbing kids and, you know, terrorizing and killing kids, it kind of makes it scarier. This random act of violence, you don't know how to stop it. You don't know, you know, like how to avoid it. However, later... I like the personal connection. The, you, you like how they're brother and sister? Yes, I, I like that. I like how it's, it's personal between them. I yeah. really do. Because as I mentioned earlier... You know, that to me, that's what embodies the whole mm-hmm. franchise is their their story. Yeah. And I think they they played into that a lot in the movies, especially in H2O. I think that in H2O and in Halloween 2 and maybe in Resurrection, but in the first movies that I named... You can see Jamie Lee Curtis or Lori um, have this curiosity for what her brother looks like. And you see these moments where they almost like try to, um, like the movie shows that they have this sibling connection. Bond. Yeah. yeah. But because Michael, the, the evil just consumes Michael, he it's not able to fully form. And it's only really ever used to expose someone's weakness and it even happens with jamie when jamie mm-hmm. tries to connect with her uncle and but it's only used as a way to like distract him or like get away from him or whatever um, and so you know the whole jamie lloyd um four and five narrative are part of a completely different timeline than really the 1978 one or the like h2o one they're all they're just like it's like a tree and there's so many different branches they are they are connected though four and five and six they're connected but in h2o it's not right four four through six is not connected to h2o h2o is connected to halloween one and two which is why i did like the the branches analogy more than anything was because 
actually was looking at like a like a graph of sorts that was laying out all the different connections and so like four five and six diverge completely whereas h2o are on a completely different like branch of this graph so to say it's very confusing to somebody who doesn't to somebody who doesn't know or hasn't you know watched everything from start to finish or even like researches it if they're trying to watch these movies they're going to be so confused Mm -hmm. yeah which especially if they try to watch them in order yeah which is why like i i try to preface that with everyone is you you can't watch them necessarily in order of like the year they came out but there's like a particular order and then i'm like here let me provide you this graph (laughs) (laughs) i think that's that's part of why i i also like the franchise is because of how complicated it is maybe Um, because in total there's five different timelines but that's not including the standalone anthology film um halloween 3 so you know you see all of these different it almost feels like you have all these different writers who have different ideas for how this franchise should move along. And every single writer tried to tried to do it. And none of them fully succeeded. Laurie Strode and Michael Myers, you see the end of them in Halloween 2, and you won't see them again until H2O. In between Hall- Halloween 2 and H2O, you have Halloween 3, which doesn't really count, 4, 5, and 6, which introduced Jamie Lloyd, who's supposed to be an offspring of Laurie Strode. And then you have Danny Strode in Halloween 6, who's just a part of Laurie Strode's adoptive family. But even in Halloween 6, they don't really ever address how they are related to Laurie Strode. You see, like, the father of the family have this very hateful spirit towards the whole superstition conspiracy of Michael Myers and the Laurie Strode saga. And he just seems to hate Halloween altogether. So maybe that, like if you read into that, that could say something as to how they feel about being related to Laurie Strode. But other than that, nothing is ever brought up about them being the Strodes and Laurie Strode. Were they living in the Myers house in six? Yeah. That's okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, and I think that's part of why Danny Strode starts to hear those voices and stuff is because they're in the house, but because it's also like they're related to Laurie Strode and because of this like curse that's going on, it's like, is he supposed to be having the curse too? Because they're not blood relatives, so it doesn't make sense as to why they would. And, you know, that's, that's how Jamie Lloyd was connected to Michael because they were blood relatives and she shared that same curse with Michael. So then to go from four and five to six with Danny Strode, there was just a unbalanced narrative, if you could say. Now that we've run down the Haddonfield story, all the different timelines, I asked Whitney to watch all of the Halloweens, not necessarily H2O and Resurrection, it was by choice. Um, heavy on the choice (laughs) and um, especially like the Rob Zombie ones they don't count mainly just the the first six movies and of course you know we can talk about how they might relate to um, the recent ones that have come out since 2018 if we wanted to but 
those are the ones that deal with the original movie and the original timeline, so to speak. The way that this discussion is going to work is that we're going to rank three movies within the franchise that and how they tier um, considering how they relate to the narrative of Michael Myers. So we have, of course, a bottom tier, a mid tier, and a top tier. Through Halloween 1 through 6, we're going to rank which one, you know, least represented that narrative versus the one that most represented that narrative. And of course, these are all just our opinions, but I will say we've grown up with this franchise. So if there's anybody you should be listening to, it would be us. That's right. <laughs> all right. I will let you go first in telling us what you ranked your bottom tier installment. And this is just for the first six movies? Yes. Five, for sure. It's been a long time since I've watched it because I, I did not get to five. Um, I think I watched all of them, but five, five and six. I think Halloween five, uh, I didn't like, I, I think it was the writing more than anything in Halloween five that I didn't like. It's been a long time since I've watched that one. So trying to come up with details is difficult. That's valid. I would say I also feel that way. (laughs) Halloween 5 felt like a fever dream. I've watched Halloween 5 before, but the very ending of it is where I always get lost. Because it's it's a direct follow from Halloween 4 where Jamie followed in her uncle's footsteps after kind of like trying to fight it off for so long and she kills her mother and in a clown costume yes which she picked out for halloween which is directly derivative of how um halloween won michael's first kill of his sister so now she's you know in a in a children's hospital and she um, has gone mute because of the trauma that she experienced so she's in this hospital and she feels she feels connected to Michael. You can see this connection because when Michael is doing something, she is experiencing it. She's seeing it. The kill of her mother almost accelerated this connection that she felt to him. And it began in, in Halloween 4, but the kill is what sparked it. But the ending where he had prepared a coffin for her in the oh my gosh in the attic in the attic of the Myers house which was not the correct Myers house to begin with this Myers house in in uh, Halloween 5 was a Victorian style home the Myers house was never Victorian style at all but they wanted us to believe that it was so in the attic of this quote unquote Myers house um, there was a coffin prepared for her with candles. How am I supp- supposed to believe that Michael did all this by himself? And she laid down. And she lays down. Like, yeah. She was just like, he was just like, here. <laughs> and he, he propped up all the people that he had killed, you know, like in the attic. And I just, that's never really been something that Michael Myers does either. Like he never, in Halloween Kills, he does like kind of, prop the the bodies up in a specific manner but like if he kills someone that person is just he just leaves yeah them. that person's just yeah. there so to drag them to wherever from wherever he killed them to like this attic was just unlike him and the mask as well narratively those are all the things that i didn't like about it 
But in terms of the story of Michael Myers, you do see the symbol on his wrist of the thorn. And that's where I, I think you first get a glimpse of this cult narrative. So it's on the inside of his wrist and you see it, but there's no particular explanation for it. Other than that, it's really all about Jamie and not a lot about Michael. So that's why I ranked it my bottom tier. So moving forward to our mid-tier installment, what did you have? That one's going to be a, a little tougher. Well, you know what? No, it's not. I'm going to have to say Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It continued the same night. It was just a continuation of the same night as Halloween 1, as the original one. And it that's when you are introduced to the uh, familial connection between Lori and Michael, um, which, you know, I've said multiple times, I love mm-hmm. that about the, about the Halloween movies. I also ranked that one as my <laughs> mid-tier installment for reasons other than what you've said. Um, it is where we learn that Lori is Michael's little sister, but I also, a part of Michael Myers as an entity, um, you don't see his face. In Halloween 1, at the end, you do see his face. Kind of, but not really, though. I mean, it's like it's like a fraction of a second. You have to pause it to... Yeah. There's, but... still, that, there's still that mystery there. Like, they left yeah. you, like, wanting to see his face. Yeah, but... In all the other movies that you see, they purposely make sure that you don't see his face. And I think that's where the difference lies. In which in five, you do see a little bit of his face whenever, like, because he's he's going down the river and somebody, like, helps him and saves him and then his mask is off. You see a little bit of his face, but it's blurred. Um, well, Jamie pulls his mask off when she's in the coffin, don't she? But I don't think you see it. You don't see his face. Do you not? I don't think so. Because in in Halloween, where Halloween 2, in the beginning of it, the first, like, five minutes, um, you see the last five minutes of Halloween 1, but Mm -hmm. they, like, skip over the part where you see Michael's face. Yeah. So it's like you can, it almost feels like they realize the mystery that Michael Myers can have if they keep his face or his identity hidden. And so that's why they like strategically did that. And you know, they'll give us bits here and here and there, um, thinking that we're going to see his face, but we we never do. But yeah, I, I feel like Halloween two is what really kind of um, molded what the franchise was going to be, even if it's not what John Carpenter initially wanted. This is where we first set the stage yes yes where you know Lori and michael are established siblings but also now that they're established siblings it also introduces the ritualistic concept of the druids which is what the myers family derived from and dr loomis and the nurse both talk about it um in the back of the car i think they're on their way to um the haddonfield hospital and that's when they're talking about it and so, you know, to if you're considering the the story of who Michael Myers is, why he does what he does, whatever, this would definitely, you know, fall right in the middle. Whereas Halloween Five didn't really touch on it as much. If you're like trying to progress the story, 
didn't really do anything to progress Michael Myers' story per se. So yeah, that's what I had for for my mid-tier installment, but it's another Lori and Michael um, clash, and we always love to see them fight. It's always a fun time. And so then for the top tier installment, drum roll. And what did you have? <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> that is, I mean, I can't stress enough like how important like that movie is to the whole, like without it, like I said earlier, without it, we wouldn't have what we have today. We wouldn't have this like 40, almost 45 year long history, this 45 year story to tell about Michael Myers and Laurie Strode and all the other stories that have, you know, come in between. But it's just, it's a classic. I mean, it is just an absolute classic. You know, you've got this six-year-old boy stabbing his sister to death for really no reason. Like, <laughs> there really was no reason. He was just like, I'm going to stab my sister while she's naked. <laughs> and, you know, then he escapes from his, um, his, he escapes from the hospital and he, he goes back to his hometown and he seeks out these babysitters, these poor babysitters who are just trying to protect these kids. I mean, they're just kids themselves. I mean, they're, you know, he's out there killing a bunch of kids. And he, he walked, well, in the original, he walks into, um, that may have been the second one. I think that was the second one where he walks into this lady's house and grabs her knife off the cutting board. Yeah. And just walks away. I think that was the second one. But, you know, it's just, it's just a great movie. Gosh, it's just a great movie. I can see why you why you say that and why that was your top tier. Um, I definitely went in the complete opposite direction like before. <laughs> and my top tier installment was Halloween six. I see why you I see why you went that route because you the way your perspective of it, it seems like you're taking the perspective of like how we are seeing Michael Myers for who he really is is like why he is what he is yeah and i think from the first one of course we watch it or you know people who watch it for the first time without the second one to initially like bounce off of they didn't know that's part of the mystery that's part of the terror and then after the second one hit then it became more of why is he doing this still like yes he wants to kill his sister but why, you know, like there was the connection, but there still wasn't so much of a reasoning. And so we slowly and slowly learn that over the years as these movies come out. And so in Halloween six, you do begin to learn because Halloween five ends with Michael Myers in a jail cell. And then this man in all black shows up and he's been lingering around like Halloween, I think it, it was just Halloween five, but he's been lingering in the shadows and you don't really know who this person is, but you know that he's going to play some sort of part later on because why else are they showing him? So then at the very end, you see that he's the one who let Michael go. Okay, why did he let Michael go? And then when Jamie goes into the 
Jamie goes into the police station after the explosion, then it's kind of like, okay, what happens now? So then to follow that up with six, where Jamie and Michael have just kind of been like held captive by these people and they're trying to produce another Michael. And you see the same symbol that's on Michael's wrist, but on Jamie's baby's like belly in blood. Uh And you see this whole culture. Right in blood. Yeah, it it ties together Halloween 2 and all of the movies in between to Halloween 6. And I think that's what I like most about it. And when I was first watching it, I mean, I know we've talked about it. When I was first watching it, had no idea that that was Jamie in the beginning. (laughs) Had no idea. (laughs) They say her name. But sometimes I think when I'm watching movies, I'm paying so much attention to visuals that I don't actually take the time to comprehend the dialogue. I think that's what happened with um, Halloween 6 is just I wasn't comprehending the dialogue at all. Because when Michael Myers just starts killing people, that's all I'm, that's all, that's all I'm focused on. So, but you also kind of see how Paul Rudd, or he, he's Tommy Doyle in this movie, um, which that's one of the reasons why I love this movie too. I love Paul Rudd and I love seeing young Paul Rudd. But <laughs> that's my When it opens up and you're seeing Jamie giving birth and her baby being like, not sacrificed, but like used in this ritual, Tommy Doyle has this long monologue talking about how, you know, talking about the theory of Michael Myers and who he is and, you know, like why he does what he does and this whole cult idea around Michael Myers. And he says that, you know, some people think that this cult that cursed him is who stole or kidnapped Jamie Lloyd and Michael Myers and have been holding them captive and that they actually use Michael Myers for manipulation and they're trying to almost protect him. And that's kind of proven whenever the nurse lets Jamie go and then he automatically kills the nurse kind of as punishment. He's being used as like a guard dog or like a, you know, some something of the sort, like a, like a little henchman for this cult. As much as I liked Six... I like I like the movie itself, but I prefer a different storyline as opposed to the cult. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the idea of him just being just just pure evil. Just he was just born evil. Like he mm-hmm. is just a full on sociopath with like superhuman strength, and you know I I don't know I don't know why. Like I just I kind of like the it, it kind of gives it another layer of, of fear, like another element rather than there being an explanation. Like it's, to me, it's kind of more scary that he just is the way he is because just because. Yeah. I think for me, cults are scary. (laughs) I hope no cults come after me for saying that (laughs) because there's a, there's a little mystery when it comes to cults too. You can see this cult actively um, pursuing this child or actively pursuing Michael or whatever, you can see them performing the ritual. So yes, you see this, but at the end of the day, why are they doing it? What do they gain from it? You know, and there's even still a level of mystery to that, that remains unsolved. And I think also this movie, besides just the nostalgia of it, because I I watch it so much, but it's so very 90s. And so when I watch it, it's just kind of like a 90s 
capsule, but like you have the fashion, you have the music, you have the cinematography, like in the beginning with all the distorted flashes of different like frames, it just, it just reminded me of horror movies from the 90s because that's exactly how almost every single <laughs> horror movie was at that time. And there's there's also a lot of, there's a lot that happens in the first like 20 minutes of this movie. You have three kills. Yeah, there really is. Three kills yeah. in the very, very beginning. And all just like, oh, it's yeah. a good movie. And it's, so it's just very, very like, I I was watching it and I mean, I've watched it so many times. I have that movie just like, like I was telling you, programmed into my brain. But every time I watch it, I watch it like it's the first time again because there's just so much going on. That has to be my top tier installment for me. But I will say it was really, really nice to watch all the Halloweens in a row. I've actually never done that. AMC for their Fear Fest program on cable TV. <laughs> um, I'd never do the whole Halloween marathon whenever I did have cable because I just can't sit in front of the TV for that long. But, you know, I would watch like one Halloween movie a day and do it that way. And I've never watched them, you know, all consecutively before. So being able to see the similarities in each of these movies, um, especially as it pertains to Michael Myers' identity and his connection to Lori and who just Michael Myers is supposed to be. That's why going into Halloween ends, I was hoping that there would be a, it would be a wrap up of kind of like all of those different timelines together, if that makes sense. Like they definitely <sighs> took a different approach, but I, I, I liked it. And like I told you earlier, mm. like where I thought the movie was going, it, it didn't go that way. And I'm glad because it would have been the biggest disappointment of the last decade yeah. <laughs> to be honest um yeah i and i'm glad i didn't go in that direction either i still do think that there were some narrative choices that just didn't necessarily make sense in terms of like people turning on lori and i i turned to my friend and i was watching it and i was like since when has Lori ever been public enemy number one? Like she's always been someone that people find as a hero or they look up to, or you know, like she's always been Haddonfield's final girl. And now, well, in this in this timeline, though, she's not like she's seen as like a freak. Yeah, because she was she was locked in her house um, with all those traps set in the 2018 film. I think in, you know, in Halloween Kills, I don't think she was seen so much as, you know, the freak that she was in, in 40 years later. But yeah, I'm like you, I was caught off guard by that aspect in Halloween Ends. I definitely was caught off guard. I couldn't understand where that was coming from either. Yeah, I definitely, I feel like it was a, like a plot device for, um, some of the other narrative developments, which we won't talk about, because the main one, the main like narrative is definitely a big spoiler because, yeah, like 
when you watch the trailer and you see all these kills of Michael Myers, Michael Myers, you're like, oh, I can't wait to see these kills from Michael Myers. And it just doesn't happen. Just don't happen. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say my expectations for Halloween ends were actually higher than what I got. I was expecting, like, it's kind of like a roller coaster, right? Halloween ends was like bottom because you're going up. Halloween kills was like mid. You're almost at the top. Well, no, you'd be at the top of the hill at Halloween kills because like it was like the middle to the end. And then the end should have been the downhill, the, the part where you scream and you're having a great time. But I just feel like, you know, those, you know, those roller coasters that instead of just automatically dropping, they have like, you get to the top and they curve around. Yeah. How <laughs> that feels. Man, see, and that's, uh, I didn't like Halloween Kills that much at all. And mm-hmm. I had high, very high expectations for Halloween Kills because I loved 40 Years Later. I thought it was amazing. And so I was very disappointed and very let down by a lot of the stuff that went on in Halloween Kills. So my expectations were very low for Halloween ends. Um, I expected something worse than kills, but in my opinion, I thought it was better than kills. And I thought that it started off a little slow. There wasn't, you know, it was just a little slow kind of getting into it, but I think it was, um, I think they wrapped it up very nicely with a with a with a pretty little bow (laughs) it's so funny that we somehow managed to agree on the bottom of mid-tier which for all of you listening we did not tell each other which ones we ranked or anything absolutely it's it's crazy that we somehow like ranked bottom tier and mid-tier similar and i even told whitney i was like you know your top tier doesn't have to be your favorite movie it can be op- like it can be completely different, and that's fine. But then somehow our top tiers ended up being our favorites. Well, without considering Halloween three, Halloween six is my favorite. <laughs> but that's only according to Whitney's rules. It does. It's not about Michael Myers. It can't count. It it counts to me because it's what John Carpenter wanted, and I respect John Carpenter, and that's why I was reading. I'll give I was you that. reading up on that, and it said that's why he killed off Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers in the end of Halloween 2 was so that the studio couldn't force him to write any more Halloweens with Laurie and Michael Myers. And I think that's a boss move. I think he did what he needed to do. And those were the two best movies by far. I, But I do think there were parts of Halloween 2 that plot wise were boring it was like the the beginning was was fun the middle not so fun the end fun again so it just it lost me but um but yeah overall i actually thought i was gonna cry watching halloween ends because it's the end i thought i was gonna cry i didn't but i was sitting next to this guy who had a, a michael myers <laughs> michael myers mask that's epic he had it on like a like a headstand so like it wasn't just like a Halloween mask flap, but it was like filled out. 
So it literally looked like he had Michael Myers head on the stand. <laughs> and um, we sat down next to him. I want to be this guy's friend. No, no, he was cool. We sat down next to him and he was like, oh, let me know if, um, if you need some extra room. He's like, I can move Michael over here. And I was like, I was like, oh no, it's okay. Like I should be fine right here. And he was like, he's like, okay, good. He was like, cause we don't want to upset Michael. And I said, oh no, that'd be hell if we did. So this whole theater would be going up in flames if we upset Michael. He was cool. And it was like, it was like the Halloween kills Michael mask. So, you know, it had a little like burnt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of my favorite masks, actually. I feel like the, the dirtier, darker, like greenish mask is so much scarier than the white one. He's been through some things in these last couple movies. He's definitely been through some things. I kind of feel sorry for him. Yeah. And you know, Halloween ends did not go at all like I expected. It did not end how I expected. Um, Mm -hmm. I kept telling everybody that, you know... I, I don't want to give anything away, but I kept telling everybody, like, this is what's going to happen. This is how it has to happen because, like, we need closure in this certain area. But yet, I think they were giving us closure in another area that I was not prepared for. <laughs> but if that's how it, if that's how it's going, yeah. like, if this really is the end of Michael or like Halloween as we know it, then. Uh, they did a good job i think yeah and john carpenter along with jamie lee curtis were the executive producers of this movie too so it's even though like it's not how i felt like it should have ended i have to respect it because it's the it's the legends the ogs who like signed off on most of what happened so yeah i'll I'll grieve and i'll come to my acceptance later (laughs) right now i saw a review it was it was a critic review on rotten tomato and it said something about um well i can probably read it for you real quick because i took a picture of it because i was like i think this is exactly how it's gonna be He said, a surprisingly thoughtful approach to ending Laurie Strode's saga will be derided for a decade before new audiences declare it an unsung masterpiece. And what's more Halloween than that? I I saw something like that on Twitter, too. Just in terms of, like, people think because the font of the title of the sequence was, like, that luminescent blue gold font which is the same as halloween 3 mm-hmm, yeah and they think that the reason why they chose that is to kind of make the statement of like they know that the way that they chose to end this movie could be as divisive as halloween 3 was because halloween 3 literally had nothing to do or was not what people were expecting halloween 3 to be same with halloween ends a lot of like it's very very divisive and if that was an intentional choice that they made i have to give them props for it i do love intentional work but yeah people a lot of people are saying like people who do like it they think everyone who is divisive about it will end up loving it will be the same people who are buying like the um the like mega boxes and all the merch from it like <laughs> 20 years later and I mean, it's, it's. I think eventually, I, th- I think eventually, people are going to um, see the beautiful work that was put into this movie. I really do. Like, I, I think it was written really well, and I think it was directed really well. 
Although, like I said, it was it was a little slow, but I think that buildup was um, mm-hmm. necessary. Yeah. For how the rest of the movie played out. One last thing that I will say on Halloween ends is that it's not so much of a spoiler, but I really wish that, like, the whole character arc of the final girl writing a book, I just wish would end. Oh, like, yeah. I'm not going to say it started with Scream and, um, and Sydney Prescott. I'm not going to say it started there, but that is what was happening in Scream. Was it Scream 4? She was in town, like, on her press tour for her book. And it's just, like, you don't have to necessarily write a book to get over your trauma. But for whatever reason, that's, like, it's, like, I'm over my trauma, now I'm going to write a book. It doesn't automatically have to be your next step within your recovery. Like, so, yeah, I don't know. I felt like... (laughs) I feel like that. You just wish they would get a little bit more creative about creative it. Creative or also just, I don't know. Because I feel like writing a book on your trauma or something um, is something that that happens a lot in our society anyways. People are always writing books about stuff that's happened in their life. And if that's what you want to do, by all means. But I think sometimes the intentions are a little misconstrued. Like, are you doing this because you want to educate people to help people who have dealt with what you've dealt with? Or are you doing it just to profit off of your own experiences and your own trauma? But that's all I got to say. Well, that's all I have to say on the, I mean, it's not all I have to say on the Halloween franchise, but it's all I will be saying um, in this episode. Whitney, did you have any other comments, um, any other things that you wanted to say in regards to Michael Myers, the franchise, Jamie Lee Curtis, our original final girl? I am so sad. <laughs> that's like, that's the biggest takeaway yeah. from, from what has, has happened in this last movie, I'm 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 in a state of grieving, but um, but no. Other than that, thanks for having me on your show. It was fun, and anytime you want to do it again, I'd be more than happy to. Yeah. We find something else to talk about. I couldn't think of anybody else who would be better to have on this episode than you, the person who instilled my love for this franchise and for my love of horror movies in general i'm so glad that we could have done this episode i know that you were a little scared to do it in the beginning but but yeah i think i hope that we were able to inspire you all to watch the halloween franchise with a different perspective or find something else to love about the halloween franchise or just, you know, see see a certain installment within the franchise a little bit differently. <coughs> Halloween 3. You know, I, that's all I ever want. For. I've tried. I have tried. I promise. That's all I want for my listeners is to be able to watch a movie with a different lens, through a different lens, because... Movies are art, and art is subjective. You don't have to like the same thing that everybody else finds a masterpiece, and vice versa. But you also have the tools to be able to look at those movies and see why people like them, um, see how it could have been a great movie, 
and so on and so forth. So I do hope you all are able to get out, see Halloween ends, or watch it in your comfy home on your comfy couch this Halloween season. Um, thank you so much, Whitney, for joining me. I'm so glad that I could share our conversation with my listeners because I have mentioned you a few times on the podcast, so hope they were dying to hear from you at some point. And now this is their chance. <laughs> I have rated this movie on Letterboxd. I rated it, as I said, a two, two and a half stars out of five. You can see what I said specifically about that movie. If you follow my letterbox, that's at Avery, A-V-E-R-Y-C-O-F. You can also find me on Instagram at the Unbound Cinefemme Pod, or you can follow my Twitter at the Unbound Cinefemme. I post fun TikToks, fun memes, fun tweets. I do live updates on movies that I'm watching. Um, and you can also find out what I'm talking about the following week if you want to stay a little bit up to date. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in and I'll catch you next episode.